Good morning. Good morning. Honor to be with you today. Um, could I ask somebody to maybe turn on a, a light here? Um, I don't know if you know this. I just figured it out a couple years ago. They say old guys like me uh, need about twice as much light as somebody in their 20s to read something. And um, when I heard that, I thought, oh, that's my issue. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I struggle a lot with reading sometimes. I just really need bright light or it just doesn't work. So if, if there is a possibility to turn it on, if not, that's okay. Not to worry. Thanks. Um, and Eden, before you made your comments, I, I was I was going to say pastor caregiver. And this world needs shepherds so badly, so desperately. You know, we've we've got leadership everywhere, but we don't have shepherds. And uh, for churches especially, I, I think that's a that's a serious issue that um, I've heard some people addressing recently. So, yeah. And uh, Sarah, are you here? Okay. Yeah. Uh, boy, she she makes things happen well. I really appreciate her gifting. It's been fun to, to watch her. So uh, thank you for inviting me to be part of your service today. It really is an honor. And um, I just take a few minutes to kind of introduce ourselves a little bit. Um, by the way, I, I told um, I told Eden that I I have not spoken in public for four years. So this is a little scary and intimidating for me. Um, Although I spent a career doing that. But um, Marina and I have been attending the bridge online since, uh, I guess, Easter Sunday, uh, sporadically. Um, here and there, uh, I've been out of town. I was helping with a camp for two months this summer. We've traveled uh, to Alberta. We've been attending other uh, groups. <clears throat> but I, I have been particularly blessed in my involvement with the bridge somewhat remotely um, during COVID. And what Marie and I both appreciated so much right from the first Sunday was a sense of community in the bridge that we didn't see other places. And what I mean by that is um, different people were taking part. Uh, some people were being introduced in the interview. Some were giving the announcements. Some were reading scriptures. Others were interacting with the sermon, and then there was communion, and then nurturing. And, and I, we just felt like this is a community, even though it's online. And it, it just really drew us in, and we felt refreshed and renewed and nurtured. We just want to say thank you so much for that. Uh, Marie and I have spent a, a career in church ministry, mostly. And we have been blessed to watch God work in amazing ways over and over. And um, more recently, in the last four or five years, my spiritual journey has felt like a rebirth. That word has come to me over and over. And um, I was kind of surprised when I first started using it. And I'll explain that in a few minutes. But um, I also think I am a recovering fundamentalist. And I, I had never that word had never entered my mind until last Sunday as Karina was speaking and it was just like God just whomp and that 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 phrase came into my mind and it was like God said that's who you are and I've been thinking about that a lot this morning even just in my my private time with God and it's it's kind of opening up some fresh windows of understanding for me I am a, a recovering fundamentalist and uh, I won't take time to explain it all but it's 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 a really big deal 
Um, Brad Jersak had a powerful influence in my story. I've read quite a few of his books. I've been participated in the Open Table together with Marie for uh, four of their conferences and, and other teaching situations. And um, I just thank God for him. I also am very grateful for Eden, who has been a blessing on my journey, along with dozens of authors and speakers and people I've met along the way. So Eden and Sarah invited me to speak on one of the fruit of the spirit. And I never really, um, I never really kind of grappled with this until just last week. Uh, this is this is the end of the series, and uh, we're talking on goodness, which is one of the fruit. But as I thought about it, in many ways, goodness in, is is what it's all about. It's all goodness. It's all God's goodness. And so I, I hope that kind of helps us draw things together as we conclude this today. Um, just kind of an overarching statement I, I want to start out with. The world needs goodness. If you look around, listen to the news, things we've been thinking about this morning, the, Lord, or the world needs goodness. Not people who do good things, but people who are good, because God is good. So this has everyday, moment by moment, applications for all of us. It means sandbags. It means rescuing animals. It means praying wherever we are. It means letting someone else take that four-liter jug of milk that you want before you do. Blessed are those deeds that often go unnoticed, as we sang a few minutes ago. So Galatians 5, 22 and 23, starts off by saying the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. It, it, it's from the Holy Spirit, it's not from us. And, and I have to admit that often I forget that the fruit are supernatural, but they are. For example, it's supernatural to love our enemies. It's supernatural to forgive as the Father forgave us. It's supernatural to have joy and peace and love in the middle of brokenness. It's supernatural to live out God's goodness in a world struggling with fear and greed and self-centeredness and violence. Now, when God designed and created the world that we live in and everything in it, he said, it is good. And I want to remind you, it's still good, friends. I grew up in a dualism and said, no, it's all bad. We've got to escape it as soon as possible. Well, the world is good. This is my father's world. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's broken. It's dysfunctional. But it's still good. And we, the people of God, have a, a part in recovering, restoring the world through goodness. And so that's what we're talking about today. Now, last Sunday... Uh, Marie and I were driving home. We live quite near the, the main bus terminal in Abbotsford, and I saw this bus, and, and at the front where it normally gives the destination, it said, sorry. Now, it, it might have said something else, but I had never seen that on a bus before, and, and it kind of it did a little number on me, and I, I said to Marie, that must be a Canadian bus. <laughs> I kind of like that. That's, that's being nice. And if you travel in different parts of the world, you know that we as Canadians have this kind of, I don't know if it's true or not, but we have this reputation of being nice people. And, and that makes me feel good. Um, I've spent most of my life trying to be a nice person, a good person. 
Uh, one of my favorite exclamations is, oh my goodness. Uh, it's, it's my goodness, by the way. Um, it's often about me. I want to be liked. I want to be appreciated. I want to be admired. I want to be loved. And I, I often have grappled in recent years with uh, what, what are my motives? Why, why do I do what I do? Well, the goodness we're talking about this morning is genuine. It's real. It's the goodness of God. And this real goodness is not about appearance. It's not about looking good. It's not about being a do-gooder or getting somebody to vote for me because I'm such a good person. It's not about self-righteousness. It's about the goodness of God in me and in you. And what I know about this group of people, the bridge, I, I believe the bridge is seeking to be that kind of faith community. The desire to embrace all of God's people is the heart of God. And I, I especially love the welcome that Josh and perhaps others have expressed sometimes on a Sunday morning. They say, if, if you're in this spot, welcome. If you're in this spot, welcome. If you're this kind of person, welcome. And the list goes on and on. And I, my smile gets bigger as it goes. Because, because Jesus embraces, Jesus welcomes everyone. And something to me, really, I, I find myself getting... Uh, Kind of angry in a, in a nasty way when I think about the Protestant Reformation and just the protesting, the division, the walking away from each other and saying, I'm better than you are. You are. I can't get along with you. No, that's not what heaven will be like, friends. And we're part of bringing that heaven to earth now. So genuine goodness attracted people to Jesus, the disenfranchised people the poor, the despised, the beggars, and even some of the wealthy and the religious leaders. They came and enjoyed being in the presence of Jesus because of the goodness of Jesus. That was one of the reasons he was so harshly criticized, because he welcomed everyone. He was having coffee with street people. Shame on him. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Jesus has coffee with a prostitute and actually enjoys it. This fall, I, I drove a tractor and hay wagon for uh, Cape's family farms for six weeks. And um, one afternoon, there was uh, quite a, an elderly woman, and she had a very young child. And she told me right up front, she says, I'm exhausted. She said, I, I, I just want to sit and ride. Well, it was kind of a rare situation where there was no one else needing to ride. And I thought, okay, I'm going to take her around on the hay wagon. And so uh, she was there riding. I was up front driving the tractor. And as I drove, I, I prayed for her refreshment that God would minister to her. And, and, and a few minutes later, believe it or not, she was telling me, her story, it was an unplanned, totally appropriate, safe space. And she said, I don't know why I'm telling you this. You know, I knew God was at work in my life. God was refreshing her and ministering to her. Now, I didn't tell her I was a professional Christian. I would have ruined everything, I think. <laughs> but God's goodness was there. 
And, and most of the time we are unaware of God's work behind the scenes because God is always work behind the scenes. And God often works his goodness through us and we just, we just don't maybe see it or we're not looking for it. Um, I wasn't gonna say this, but back to the farm situation. Um, literally dozens and dozens of times I, I watched people, perhaps a, a young mom with a couple kids and they were just having such a fun time and, and enjoying the outdoors and God's creation and, and the sunshine and the what big sky. And I, I sat there because I had 10 minutes every trip to just sit and watch people in the pumpkin patch. And I, I thought, wow, what a privilege. I get to be part of this. They're enjoying goodness and, and, and I'm, I'm a little piece of it. Well, life is like that, friends. God wants us to let his goodness flow through us to the world around us. Well, just regressing a long, long time, because I'm pretty ancient now. <laughs> when I was five years old, I made a deal. I prayed a little formula prayer, not found in the Bible. And in exchange, I got a ticket to heaven and escaped eternal tor torment. <laughs> so let me explain it this way about two years ago i happened to see a powerpoint on a sunday morning and it kind of made things come together for me it was a picture of jesus knocking on a door let me in why so i can save you from what from what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in. <laughs> I don't know about you, but that just really, whoa. All of a sudden, yeah, just life opened up. Because for me, most of my life, my obedience was manipulated. Yeah. I was fooling myself and I was pretending to love God unconsciously. I was afraid of God. I, I distrusted a God who did not seem good. I didn't think God was in love with me. Although if you'd asked me, I said, yeah, I must be. And to be honest, I was not excited about going to heaven either because I wasn't in love with God. So I've spent almost my entire life thinking and saying, I believe in a God who is good. After all, we sang that God is so good, God is so good, he's so good to me, etc." Well, every once in a while, I had a sneaking little crack, and I thought, would I sing that if I was arrested and tortured and smelling that? Mm, I'm sure. So, I'm just deviating a little bit here, but let, let me pause and strongly recommend that if you're stuck on, is God good, don't shove it under the carpet. Get some help. Yeah. Work it through. And Pastor Eden understands this very thoroughly. I know that. I didn't understand very well until quite recently. Oh, that's important. You see, if, if God isn't really good, then we're not really good. We have nothing to pass on. People were attracted to Jesus because he was good. They were attracted to the Prince of Peace. There was a sense of peace when they wrote Jesus. They were attracted to the love of God. They were attracted to Jesus because he was a person of joy. I just 
bought a little paper book a couple weeks ago, Jesus, Man, and Joy. It's written a long time ago. And um, it's starting to impact me. They were attracted to Jesus because he was a person of grace. Now, does that sound like the fruit of the Spirit? John 1.14 tells us that Jesus was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. That's the NLT. The NIV says, full of grace and truth. Now, I spent most of my life thinking about the truth part and kind of pushed aside the grace part. Full of grace. That's why they love being around you. And by the way, verses 16 and 17 of John chapter 1 expand that thought very well. God's unfailing love and faithfulness, God's grace came through Jesus to us. And now we live it. So people hungry for goodness flock to Jesus. When you are good with the goodness of Jesus, when I am good, overflowing with his mercy and grace, accepting of those that are not outwardly seen to be part of our tribe. We will attract people, especially those who hunger and thirst for God's goodness. <clears throat> One time I took a tour in an abandoned mine, coal mine in um, Crozes Pass of British Columbia. I've been told that the horses Years ago in the early days, the horses that pulled the cars of coal in the tunnels eventually went blind because they were always in the dark. Now, in that underground tunnel, in a, with a group of people, Maureen and I were told to turn off our headlamps so we could experience real darkness. And for a very short time, it felt kind of cool because we knew we were all together and we were safe, and we could turn our headlamps on anytime we wanted. But absolute darkness is a horrible thing. We naturally crave light. We need light. We're attracted to the light. And as followers of Jesus, we are given this amazing identity. Jesus said, you, everyone in this room, you are the light of the world, he said. Have you ever noticed that one candle, one small candle flame can dispel a whole room of darkness? It's incredible. So I've noticed in my own spirit, part of my recovering issue, I tend to be frustrated and angry and discouraged and depressed because of the evil all around me. Jesus says, wrong focus. Live out goodness. Be a light. Shine. Make a difference. Live goodness according to your gifts and abilities and circumstances. So that's what we're talking about today. Mother Teresa was a person I think of as an exceptional example of goodness. I've only read one book about her, but I've heard about her almost all my life. And of course, she was human, and she had her failings and struggles, some of them we became aware of after she passed away. 
But the reason Mother Teresa served the lepers and the destitute and the dying in the streets of Calcutta was because she chose to see God in every person. God was there, destitute and dying in the streets of Calcutta. There's a sense in which Jesus invites us to be the Good Samaritan. I think we're very familiar with that invitation. Something I've begun to understand a little more is the person in the ditch, the person that has been robbed and beat up and left to die is God. Because God's image is in every person we encounter this week. And that's why John wrote, if you don't love others, you can't say you love God. Another passage you might want to look at to, uh, to think about along that line is, is the Matthew 25 passage. Jesus is in the people that we see every day when we minister to Jesus. I'm reading, or I should say, I just finished a book by Glennon Doyle Melton. And she says she is actively practicing and recognizing the identity of God in everyone who crosses her path. Because we're all made in the image of God, she acknowledges this, and she, she's developed this little habit of just kind of giving a little nod, and she connects with people. And, and as she nods, she says in her own thinking, God in me recognizes God in you. I like that. When the goodness of God is filling us up and overflowing to people around us, then they are attracted. They are attracted to God. Now, they may not know it, but it's the goodness of God that causes them to feel loved and cared for. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Just, just let your imagine, imagination go wild here. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the average person on the street said a Christian is a person who lives out goodness? crazy. If you and I were a reporter and we were downtown, let's say, side Vancouver, and we said, hey, what, could you just take a moment and tell me what you think about when you hear the word Christian? The person said, I think of a person who lives out goodness. Not a Christian is a person who is against that and against that and trying to make other people have the same values we do. No, a Christian is a person I like to be around because they're so good. They will know you're Christians by your love. Someone famous said that once. Well, the last thing I want to say is about, about God's goodness is that the goodness of God in me, the goodness of God in you is not manipulated. It's not conjured up. It's not forced. Eden read for us a few minutes ago the context of the fruit of the Spirit passage. It's natural freedom we have when we let God live in us. Now, last week, Karina talked about the need to understand self-control without being at war with ourselves. And, and that phrase just really came to me clearly. When we are at war with ourselves, we are not living in freedom. Karina said something like this, we can't 
conjure up these things. It's more like a recovery effort to discover the gifts of a God-given self, she said. The treasure is already in us. The fruit comes naturally. You see, healthy fruit comes from a healthy tree. And good health comes from oneness, from union with Jesus. We don't focus on the fruit. We focus on our intimate lover, best friend, constant companion, oneness with Jesus. And when we live in oneness with God, we live in freedom instead of duty and legalism. I'm preaching to myself here, if you can tell that right. We live with integrity instead of hypocrisy. We live with grace and humility instead of arrogance and pride. Galatians 5.1, Christ has set us free to live a free life. Now, ironically, and I, I can't quite figure this one out, but you're, I'm sure you're aware of it. Ironically, mysteriously, a five-year-old can be intimately one with God just as much as an 85-year-old. That's kind of cool. So this isn't about getting old and mature. It's about being one with God. The best advice I can pass on this morning is this. Let us focus our lives on union with God, in oneness with God. Being one with God is this relational identity of union. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, John 15. Be at oneness. And to me, that, that's very helpful. It's, it's the mindfulness, the awareness of union. And, and again, it's, just not, it's not like flicking a switch. It's, it's kind of a growing into and, and just kind of, yeah, Lord, help me to remember. You and I are in this together. We're in one today. And we might pray that prayer a dozen or a hundred times in a day. But eventually, the reality blossoms. Listen to a benediction from Second Peter 1, 2 and 3. May God bless you with this special favor and wonderful peace as you come to know God and Jesus, our Lord, better and better. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. Yeah, you catch that? It's, it's not about me. It's about Jesus living in me. It's about that oneness. So I'm there, and, and my personality doesn't disappear. But we're in it together. We're in it in a oneness. As we know Jesus better, his divine power gives us everything we need for living a godly life. He has called us to receive his own glory and goodness. Amen. Amen.